Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. Now, before we get started, I just want to make sure that you all are subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure that you follow the Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram, which is at Oh My Allergies, just to keep up with what we are doing see some really cool fun content. We do interactive polls on there about different things that are talked about in the episode, things that are not talked about in episodes. And it's just really fun. And I really love interacting with you all on that platform. Also make sure that you rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hopefully it is five stars because it really just helps with being able to grow the Oh My Allergies podcast audience and being able to have more people learn more and more and more about this podcast. So we would really, really appreciate you all not only rating the podcast, but also leaving a written review as well. And also keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and people that you might not even know. So even that person that you might talk to for the first time on the street and your allergies come up in the conversation why don't you subscribe to the so my allergies podcast thing because it's really good so definitely keep on doing that because we definitely really appreciate you all giving us shout outs on social media on instagram we see you all we hear you all and we are very very thankful for you all's nothing but positive words about this podcast But in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about allergic rhinitis and sciasitis just because those are two health conditions that a lot of people in the allergy community deal with. And I know some of the symptoms in both of those health conditions overlap with each other. So I want to talk about what each of those health conditions are and be able to, you know, explain it and bring a little bit more clarity for people who might be super confused, kind of like how I was initially when I first came across these two health conditions and to be able to talk about like how you can tell the difference between the two things that have worked for me over the years when it comes to those health conditions and different, you know, natural remedies and foods that you might be able to incorporate into your diet that might be able to help you tackle those health conditions a little bit better. But before we get into the meat of the podcast, you know, the really good juicy stuff, you guys know I got to talk about what's been going on. What's been going on with me? Well, this past weekend was 4th of July. Um, It felt just really nice to be able to have a longer weekend and not have to go into work on Monday. That was very exciting to find that out. Um, Just to have a longer weekend because I don't even know when was last time that I was able to have like a longer weekend to just be able to like chill and be able to relax with my dog and my family and things like that because normally I am very have a very packed schedule full of things to do, whether it's, you know, work or whether it's the podcast or whether it's content creation or whether that's applying for jobs and things like that. So been very, very, you know, go, 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 go. But 
it's been really nice to be able to have, you know, an extra day, a part of the weekend. But this weekend, um, nothing really too crazy happened. Me and some other people in my family, we went to go see like some fireworks because fireworks are just very fascinating to me personally. I just think that they're very, very, you know, pretty to look at and they're just I don't know they just have like this magical vibe to them and they just bring a lot of excitement and it's something that I just really like watching I remember when I was younger you know going to fourth of July celebrations and being able to see you know all the beautiful colors and things of that sort so I really just enjoy watching fireworks um my dog is a different story when she was younger she didn't really mind fireworks but now that she's older and she hears them and I mean it's not like she didn't hear them before but now like she starts barking sometimes so I've been giving her these like supplemental things that help with you know anxiety and for fireworks and things like that from this brand called Zesty Paws she's like a big fan of Zesty Paws and specifically these like calming sticks so they've been really working out well she literally is about to run out and so I've been saving um, the couple that we do have for the holiday and so I also just recently bought some more because she really loves Loves them and I've seen a change in her behavior in terms of her not being like on edge about like day-to-day things and you know especially like when she goes to the vet sometimes she'll get a little um have like anxious tendencies so those have really been working wonders for her but yeah nothing too much has been going on really since like last week just really just focusing on my work and yeah, there's nothing really new to report to you guys. Oh, I guess I could talk about this because on the podcast Instagram, at oh my allergies, but we were doing some polls on the podcast Instagram about last week's episode, which was about how food allergies are represented in the media and like movies and in TV shows and content like that. And also I've been getting a really good response from that episode. So I'm so excited to hear that you all are really enjoying that episode and are finding it to be very relatable and very applicable to your life and are able to see some parallels in like how you feel when you are approaching um, media and interacting with it and watching TV shows and movies and limited series and uh, things like that. But we were doing polls on there and I was very shocked by how many people have not seen the movie Hitch. Because in last week's episode, I talked about how, you know, Hitch is really a family favorite in my household. Uh, We watch it, especially when I was younger, a lot. We watched it a lot. And to find that a lot of people were not exposed to that movie, it kind of just shocked me because I don't know, I just felt like a lot of people, a lot more people had seen that movie, but I was pretty shocked that it was pretty like 50-50 in terms of like the polling results. I think when I had published the polling results, I forget what the actual like end numbers were. I might have to look at my Instagram archives or something like that, but it was pretty split. At first it was like, 
majority of people like 60 percent were like no i've never seen it and like 40 ish percent were like yeah i've seen it and i've seen the scene but then like as the day progressed and like the next day i saw that the numbers kind of evened itself out so i thought that was just very very interesting um how many people had not seen that movie because i feel like that movie besides the allergic scene it's not that bad of a movie especially kevin james and will smith they're just hilarious people but yeah that really just shocked me but overall been trying to get more interactive on the podcast Instagram and kind of like going on there myself and like just wanting to hear what you guys have to say about certain things and doing polls and really very happy with people getting more interactive with us on that platform and really participating in the polls so definitely definitely appreciate that so please keep being interactive with our polls and our content and things like that because it really just motivates us to want to push out more things to you all and want to churn out these episodes and really just keep that interaction because that's what I wanted when I created this podcast is to have it where it felt like a conversation instead of me like talking just directly to you guys even though that's kind of like what a podcast is but having that offline conversation from the podcast and going onto our Instagram page and interacting with us in you know the comments of our post or dms and i get so many dms from you all and i just really like interacting with you all so definitely 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 um appreciate it but yeah that really just shocked me and threw me for a loop that a lot of people had not seen that movie and i was like what the absolute heck like that's super super crazy but yeah basically that's what's been going on with me but with that being said I guess I can get right into my foodie likes My first foodie like that I want to talk to you guys about is from Whole Foods because, again, I feel like this is a slogan at this point. Who's surprised? Not me. But it's their reduced fat, reduced sodium popcorn because, as you guys know, I've been talking about on the podcast for a little bit that I have been on a popcorn kick. Um, I just feel like it's a really great snack to have. I eat it while I'm watching The Bachelorette. I bring it to lunch for work as like a snack option to have just because it's like one of those snacks that it's very low in calorie and it's still enjoyable. Now, one thing I will say about popcorn is I don't really care for the fact that it gets stuck in between my teeth and it just makes the experience like 10 times more like frustrating, but I do enjoy having it and I've been having it a lot lately I actually went to pick up this from Whole Foods because I was low on the popcorn from Kroger that's the sea salt and black pepper which is my all-time favorite type of popcorn and so I was like well you know I kind of want something because I do enjoy having popcorn as like a snack option so let's just buy this and kind of like hope for the best because I really wasn't satisfied with like the sodium content and fat content and like the regular uh, bagged popcorn that they sell so I was like sure let's just try this and see what happens and I actually really enjoyed it I didn't think that it was like too salty or anything so highly recommend if you are looking for like a popcorn snack and you can have corn obviously if you have a corn allergy or corn intolerance I highly don't recommend this for you but if you are a popcorn lover if you can have popcorn highly recommend trying out this popcorn from Whole Foods because it's actually really really good but my next foodie like is also from Whole Foods because I don't know. I mean, we've just been shopping there a lot lately. So naturally, I'm just going to have favorites from there. But 
Another favorite of mine is the 365 Everyday Value, their unsweetened organic green tea. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but like years ago, I was literally on a big iced green tea unsweetened kick. Like it was just bad. Like I'm surprised that I did not turn into green tea myself. But lately, I just started buying it again, and I'm on my first bottle still, and it tastes really, really good. Now, I will say, like, I feel like the flavor has, like, changed a little bit because I don't know. Like, when I'm drinking it, I feel like I'm having lemon green tea, and I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it because I am a sucker for lemon. (laughs) That was a pun. But but I really do love this tea. It's really good, and it just has all the flavors that you would expect from a green tea and it's iced and it tastes really good and I really do love that it has lemon undertones to it and I was looking through the ingredients and I was trying to see if it had like lemon like if it called out specifically lemon but it didn't so I was like very very confused but all in all I really enjoy this green tea so if you are a fan of hot green tea and you've not been put on to iced green tea Highly recommend checking out this tea because this tea will literally change your life. It is so good. When I was in college, I would bring it and put it into one of those little like insulated like hydro flask like mug type of things. And like I would bring them to my classes and I would have iced green tea during class. I'd bring it when I was going to work on campus. Like I would just drink it so much. I would go through so many gallons of that thing and just have it in my refrigerator in college. And I would just drink it. I drink it at night. I drink it in the morning. I drink it for lunch. I would just drink it all the time. So this is giving me like major throwbacks to like when I was really on a nice green tea kick. So highly recommend if you've never tried this green tea. I know they have a really good ice green tea and then Honest Tea has a really good ice green tea, but I usually get unsweetened because I'm not about that sweetened life. I'm not into having sweetened tea, just not really a fan of it. But yeah, that's just personal choice. But those are my foodie legs for this week. So I guess with that being said, I can get right into the allergy news. This week's allergy news article is coming from Newsweek and the article is titled TikTokers put raw garlic up their noses to unclog sinuses impotentially dangerous trend. So I saw this article title. I thought that it would go well with today's topic with it being all about allergic rhinitis and sinusitis. I thought it would be a really good article to talk about. It's a strange one, but still I thought it would be um, one that would definitely get us into having a really interesting conversation today on the podcast. So Basically, in this article, they are talking about how there's been this new quote unquote hack that has been popping up on social media. And it's all around this claim that putting cloves of raw garlic up a person's nose can help with congestion and other sinus related issues. Now, I've talked about on the podcast before how garlic has a lot of different great properties in it. One being that it is used as a decongestant, but using it as a decongestant has been something that you 
like consume like by mouth. It's not something that you would put up your nose. So when I saw this article, I was like, okay, this is this is interesting. Let me let me find out a little bit more about what's going on in this situation. So apparently there was a video that went viral on TikTok by this TikToker girl. And she kind of really chronicalized her attempt at this garlic trick. And so in four days, her video went viral. It got viewed over four million times. And so she said that she saw on TikTok that if you put garlic in your nose, it unclogs your sinuses. So she showed herself peeling cloves of garlic and putting the raw garlic in each of her nostrils. And about 10 to 15 minutes later, she talked about how there was a lot of mucus that started dripping out of her nose and she kept talking about and raving about how like it works it works like it really works like oh my gosh like this is just so amazing and so one thing that came um, in result in terms of this video going viral is that a lot of people started doing it which I don't recommend because first of all you're you're setting yourself up for like a disaster because of a you're putting a random thing up your nose garlic for that matter and something could potentially get stuck up your nose if you pull it out a broken piece of garlic could be stuck up your nose and that's just causing another situation that you did not plan on being in and so in response to this video, like I said, a lot of people tried it, but people had differing uh, results from it. So some people were like, yeah, you know, like it worked and, you know, I put it up my nose because I was sick and I had a lot of mucus or water or whatever come out of my nose. And then there's been some other people who have been experiencing having an uncomfortable burning sensation in their nose and how they said that it literally did nothing. And they called like the whole little quote unquote hack a fail and like all that it did is just make their nose smell like garlic in this article they talk about how like I said garlic being used as a decongestant is not something that's really new um, but how medical professionals are saying that you really should not be putting whole cloves of garlic up your nose and the reason is because if you do this a lot then your body will start to react to the oils and the chemicals in the garlic and cause contact dermatitis inside of your nose we've talked about contact dermatitis on the podcast before but it's usually been in terms of like having like skin allergies and skin rashes and skin um, reactions but I think something that not even myself even realizes that you can get contact dermatitis inside of your nose and how that's probably why a lot of different TikTokers who are trying this trend are feeling like this burning sensation and it's because of the contact dermatitis aspect of it. And then also, like I was saying, they talk about in this article how doctors are saying that there is a scary possibility of the garlic clove becoming lodged inside of your nose and it just makes the situation a lot more scarier and a lot more serious really, really fast. So I wanted to talk about this article because I just thought it was very interesting. I thought it was very weird. I thought it was very odd. I would definitely love to hear what you all's thoughts are. I don't even wanna call it a trend because it's something Something that if I saw this on TikTok, I would just be like, why are people doing this? And this kind of goes back to this whole, you know, the, this whole idea that I've talked about on the podcast so much, like so many times is this idea of like putting misinformation out there. And that's something that I talked about in last week's podcast episode about food allergies in the media is this whole like misrepresentation of allergies in the media and how people think that, oh, like 
I can put garlic up my nostrils and like my allergic symptoms to, you know, seasonal allergies or pollen or dust or things of that sort. Like it's going to like automatically stop my nasal congestion from it when it's like, no, that's misinformation and that's misrepresentation of allergies. So I definitely think that, you know, the more conversations that we have about this type of stuff, I think the better that we'll be able to move the needle and having more accurate representation of allergies in the media and having it where people are not putting misinformation of allergies and what can be used to help with remedying some issues and symptoms. But that is this week's allergy news article. I would love to hear you all's thoughts about this article for real. So definitely uh, send us a message on the Oh My Allergies Instagram page, which is at Oh My Allergies, and would love to hear you all's thoughts on it. But that is this week's allergy news article. So I guess I can get right into today's topic, which is all about allergic rhinitis and sinusitis. So today I am going to be talking all about allergic rhinitis and sinusitis and how you can tell the difference between the two. And I wanted to talk about sinusitis and rhinitis because when you are sneezing and your nose is running and you feel some type of like sinus pressure or congestion, it can be just very, very frustrating and annoying because all you want is for your face to feel normal again, but you feel like nothing can actually like help with releasing the pressure and the congestion that you feel in your face. And even though having a stuffy nose may seem like something that is my in terms of allergy symptoms, but it can be a warning sign of a few different medical conditions. And two common conditions that are associated with nasal congestion are allergic rhinitis and allergic sinusitis. However, it can sometimes be difficult to be able to distinguish the two, especially because some of the symptoms overlap each other. So I want to first break down rhinitis and then I'll go into allergic sinusitis and then kind of just go from there. So the word rhinitis, it means inflammation of the nose and allergic rhinitis is also known as hay fever. I've talked about hay fever on the podcast before because it's something that I personally deal with especially during, you know, the summer and the spring and even sometimes during the winter time. And I know the term hay fever is a name that's like very, very confusing because allergic rhinitis, it isn't brought on by hay and it doesn't cause a fever and it isn't really confined to any specific seasons. Like I said, like I've dealt with it during the spring. I've dealt with it during the summer. I've dealt with it even during the winter time. But basically how uh, allergic rhinitis works is that when your body is exposed to airborne particles, your body's immune system views those particles as being hazardous to your body. And so this promotes the body to release histamine, which is something that I feel like I've talked about so much here on this podcast, um, but in other mediators as well that can cause an allergic reaction and an allergic response. So sinus congestion and inflammation due to allergic rhinitis can sometimes allow sinusitis to develop. One form of of allergic rhinitis is a seasonal allergy that affects those sensitive to, you know, certain weeds, tree pollen, or grass. And then the season you suffer will depend on the specific allergen that triggers you the most. And then the other form of allergic rhinitis is perennial allergic rhinitis. And that's when you suffer from allergies year round. So in 
instead of outside allergens, this form is typically caused by, you know, dust mites, pet dander, pet hair, cockroaches, or even mold. In allergic rhinitis, it can lead to some of the same problems as having a sinus infection. So your nasal passages, they're all blocked up, your nose is running, you might develop a cough, you feel more tired than usual, and then you have this sinus pressure that's just making your head hurt really, 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 really badly. But hay fever, it usually comes in distinct signs of allergies. So some of those signs and symptoms is like sneezing, having itchy, puffy, watery eyes, having a nose that's really, really itchy, and you just want to scratch the absolute crap out of it, having an itchy mouth, an itchy throat, or having itchy skin. So allergic sinusitis, that's a reaction that is due to being exposed to things like dust, pollen, smoke, and animal dander. And so symptoms of sinusitis can include nasal congestion, discolored nasal drainage, a sinus pressure, headaches, and having a fever. And there's two most common types of sinusitis. There's viral sinusitis and bacterial sinusitis. And then it can be acute, which means lasting less than four weeks, or chronic, which means lasting longer than eight weeks. So viral or bacterial infections of your sinus cavities, it can cause irritation and inflammation, hindering the drainage of mucus. So when it comes to viral sinusitis, that usually lasts less than seven to 10 days. And will resolve with having you know care and being able to go to your doctor and being able to get medicine and things like that to be able to help with it now antibiotics they say when when i did research on viral sinusitis is usually not needed but again Make sure that you're consulting with your doctor or medical professional to see if that applies to you, if it doesn't apply to you. Because like I say in these episodes, I'm not a doctor. I'm just being able to provide some insight into some of these health conditions and then being able to talk about my personal experience with them and kind of what's worked for me, what didn't work for me, so that you can take that knowledge with however you want to, whether it's with a grain of salt or whether you want to use that however you want to. But I just want to provide my perspective. But with bacterial sinusitis, that's usually an infection in the sinus cavities that's caused by bacteria. So when it comes to bacterial sinusitis, that usually can stem from like a cold, having an allergy attack, or being exposed to like irritants that come from environmental pollutants. And that one usually lasts longer than 10 days and may be present with a persistent fever. And when it comes to bacterial sinusitis, that's usually treated with antibiotics. Now, normally mucus collecting in the sinuses, it drains into the nasal passages. So when you have a cold or an allergy attack, your sinuses become inflamed and they're unable to drain because of your sinuses being inflamed. So this can lead to congestion and infection. And so the diagnosis of acute sinusitis usually is based on physical examination from your doctor and having that discussion about the symptoms that you're experiencing. So when you have frequent sinusitis or the infection lasts longer than three months, it could be chronic sinusitis. So some symptoms that are associated with that may be less severe than those of acute. However, if it's untreated, it can cause damage to your sinuses and cheekbones and that could maybe require surgery to be able to repair that damage. So the symptoms between the two, um, sinusitis, and allergic rhinitis, they aren't completely the same, but there is a lot of overlap. So when it comes to sinusitis, some of the symptoms, like I said, are sinus pain and swelling, 
a stuffy nose, post-nasal drip, bad breath, a sore throat, a cough, tiredness, and a light fever. And when it comes to allergic rhinitis, also known as allergies, that's usually a runny nose, a stuffy nose, sneezing, wheezing, and having itchy, watery eyes. And so for the warning time for sinusitis, usually it's a stuffy nose and a cough lasting longer than one or two weeks. For allergies, it begins shortly after you are exposed to the allergen. And so for sinusitis, the duration, like I said, acute sinusitis, it lasts less than four weeks. Chronic sinusitis lasts longer than three months. And for allergies, it lasts as long as you are exposed to the allergen. So a major differential of the two is in your mucus, which sounds absolutely gross. I hate talking about mucus. Anyone in my family can attest to this, especially my mother. I hate talking about mucus. I don't like it. I don't like seeing it, even my own. It's just, it's just kind of disgusting. I know it's a part of life. I know I have my own mucus. I just don't like talking about it. But for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to put my feelings to the side and talk about it for a little bit, which is kind of grossing me out as I'm thinking about it. When it comes to your mucus, an infection can lead to discoloration. So your snot could be thick and yellow, or it could be thick and green and for your allergies they just make your nose run and that's because it's your body's way of flushing the allergens out of your nasal passages and because of that usually your mucus will be thin runny and clear rather than it being thick and having a color associated to it and then another thing that can help with being able to differentiate the two is looking at the timing of your symptoms so if your symptoms come on quickly and all at once Sometimes it could be an allergy. And if your stuffy nose, if your cough and sinus pressure have been ongoing, then there is a good chance that it could be a sinus infection. But also make sure you're consulting with your doctor and medical professionals and make sure you know which one it is. But that's kind of like a general consensus and idea of what to look for. But definitely make sure you are consulting a medical professional. So now I know you're probably thinking, well, dang, like I'm dealing with sinusitis or allergic rhinitis, aka allergies. What do I do? How do I get a sense of like relief for my sinuses and my nasal issues that I'm having? So some ways that can help with being able to manage your symptoms um, is the use of antihistamines. So usually these medicines specifically target allergies, but they can also help with relieving congestion and other symptoms that are associated with both sinusitis and allergic rhinitis. So some examples of some medicinal antihistamines are Allegra, That's what I personally use. I found the most success in my personal allergy journey with Allegra. I used to use Benadryl. Benadryl would work for me, but it wouldn't work long term. I found so much more success with Allegra. I feel like my symptoms are usually cured uh, for the amount of time that they say that it will be cured for. Um, I usually take the 24-hour Allegra, so that has really helped me so much. Um, It really helps with like my itchy nose because usually for me and my allergies, the symptoms that I typically tend to get is like a really bad itchy nose. Like my nose itches so bad. Like I just want to scratch the absolute crap out of it until like my nostrils bleed (laughs) because it just itches so, so bad. Um, So usually I'll deal with like the itchy nose. I'll deal with sometimes 
sometimes having an itchy throat depending on if the pollen count is really really high for a particular day. Uh, my voice will usually drop down an octave or two. Usually uh, my eyes will get really watery. Sometimes I'll have itchy eyes and like I'll rub the crap out of my eyes and it looks really really bad. But those are like some of my like allergy symptoms in terms of like seasonal allergies, pollen allergies, things of that sort. I know Claritin, a lot of people like Claritin. I've not, at least not to my knowledge, have used Claritin before. Um, Zyrtec is also an option. So those are like some examples of some allergy medicines that are like antihistamines. Um, I'll also have it where we'll link some resources in order for you all to be able to look at some antihistamines that are out there and being able to have that conversation with your doctor and medical professional to see which ones that are out there are the best for you and your body. But for me personally, I found the most success with Allegra, which is basically uh, fexafenidine. And then also I have found really good success with um, a Fonase, which is a nasal spray, which I guess that can lead me into the other um, treatment that you can use for allergies is using nasal sprays. Those really help with relieving congestion um, and helping clear away the drainage that you might be having and help with flushing out allergens. Um, so they have nasal sprays that are out there. There's also sinus rinses, which I know a really big one is like the neti pot, but I've not really found a lot of success with that. Usually when I try to use the neti pot, I usually feel like I'm drowning myself and I really just get really scared. So then I just stop. I've not really been able to have it where I pour it and it goes in one nostril and it comes out the other normally it just goes up one nostril and then it just makes me feel like I'm drowning and like I'm a scuba driver and then I just stop but hey if a neti pot works for you then that's great but I've just not really found that it worked for me and it's just so annoying because people will be like oh yeah have you used like a neti pot and I'm like yes didn't work been there done that but that is also a really good treatment that could possibly be good for you in terms of going back into antihistamines there are some unnatural antihistamines that are out there that I personally use a really good one is green tea because there's an antihistamine that is in natural green tea and so I usually will drink green tea when I'm preparing for pollen season to come into play and like I'll just drink a lot of cups of it because it really I've found has helped me so so much but I've talked about like really good natural antihistamines in previous episodes so if you want to go look back and look at my podcast episodes that I have about histamine intolerance and how to be able to survive pollen season and how to make that season suck less uh, definitely listen to those episodes because I talk specifically about antihistamines, my journey with antihistamines, what has worked for me, what has not worked for me, and things of that sort. So highly recommend uh, listening to those podcast episodes. Um, another good thing that you could possibly use to be able to help with managing your symptoms is decongestants. There's over-the-counter oral and nasal decongestants that can help with being able to fix like sinus infections. It can help with hay fever as well. So that could be a good option for you as well and then also having some sort of pain reliever so ibuprofen or naproxen when it comes to sinus infections those usually cause inflammation so medications like ibuprofen and naproxen really help with being able to relieve that inflammation. I know I usually, my go-tos when it comes to pain medication, depending on the pain, which I've realized from doing research that it's better to take some pain medications depending on the type of pain that you feel. So for me personally, I usually take naproxen when I'm on my period because naproxen is better when it comes to uh, menstrual cramps and things like that. If that's something that you deal with, highly recommend naproxen. Um, and then ibuprofen usually is what I use when it comes to um 
dealing with some sort of like muscle pain. So definitely do your research when it comes to what pain medication to use for what because it saved my butt so much because there would be so many times where I would use acetaminophen and I would be like, this is not helping me with my pain, but it's because acetaminophen only helps with certain types of pain. And I was like, oh my goodness, I wish I knew this like so many years ago. But yeah, definitely do your research and try to figure out what medicine works better for certain types of pain and make sure you are consulting with your doctor and healthcare professionals to make sure that you are taking the right medicines for you. Because for my allergy journey and the allergy medicine that I take, I currently have that all through my doctor. So those are prescriptions that I'm on that I'm taking. I have a prescription for fexafinidine. I have a prescription for Flonase. So those are like some things that I use, but those are things that I was able to kind of figure out that those were the best medicines for me based off of going to my doctor. So that's why in like these types of episodes, I usually like stress the importance of going to your doctor and having those conversations because A, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, giving medical advice. This is just stuff from my personal experience and kind of sharing my experiences with you all and kind of sharing like different like experiences that I've had with medicine. Like for example, like when it came to Benadryl, like it would help but it would not last like this, like the relief from my symptoms would not last as long as it was supposed to. So if I took Benadryl and it was supposed to, let's say, help relieve my symptoms for like four hours, it would like only relieve my symptoms for like an hour or two. So, but when I've taken Allegra, I found I've had more success with it. So for example, if, since I take the Allegra that's 24 hours, I've seen a difference in like me not having symptoms for that period of time. So that's why I just try to stress the importance of talking with your doctor so that they can help you and guide you to be able to take the medicine and the treatments that you need to take in order to better help relieve your symptoms. So that's why I stress it and I'm not trying to get in trouble. So yeah, but although yes, those things that I mentioned can be like really helpful. And like I said, some of those things have been very helpful for me and my symptoms and a good amount of people who deal with regular sinus problems, they don't realize that their diet can have a major impact on their symptoms and that's because a person's diet provides almost 100% of the nutrition that their body needs. So neglecting important foods and eating ones that are harmful can make any sinus problems that you may experience worse. So one thing that I have found helpful is adding certain foods to my diet that may be able to help with relieving my symptoms in the short run and preventing problems in the future. So some good foods that you can incorporate into your diet are like fish and seafood. Obviously, if you have a fish and seafood allergy, this tip would not apply to you. But if you can have fish and seafood, then keep on listening. But not only comes to fish, is it full of like high quality protein? A lot of the different types of fishes contain omega-3 fatty acids and these compounds can help with boosting your body's immune system and reducing inflammation. And that there's been studies that show that omega-3 rich foods can help uh, stave off infection. They also help with lowering the risk of heart disease and age-related hearing loss. Another great food that you can incorporate into your diet are dark leafy greens. Dark leafy greens are usually are filled with so many health benefits in addition to like dark leafy greens being able to provide a lot of you know fiber from them they also can help with 
being able to provide like vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin K, potassium, calcium, and a lot of other different important minerals that are essential for your body. And they can also help with you feeling fuller and help you avoid starchy foods that may encourage inflammation and mucus production and onions, tomatoes, and limes. They have similar properties with the added benefit of being packed with flavor, even though I absolutely hate tomatoes, but I'm biased. So I probably would eat the onions, which I do eat onions a lot, and then limes, which what limes for me, like it's one of those things that I like, but I don't have them often. Like the closest thing I have to a lime is cranberry lime sparkling water <laughs> but besides that I usually don't eat limes like that I'm usually more of a lemon gal but leave me a message on the oh my allergies Instagram page saying whether you are a lemon person or a lime person I personally like both but growing up I usually consumed a lot more lemons than limes but yeah anyway tangent but another food that you can incorporate into your diet are hot peppers, like spicy peppers, like habaneros, jalapenos, and cayennes. Those types of peppers contain this compound called capsaicin. And this chemical, it's responsible for the heat in uh, spicy foods. So while this heat can, you know, feel painful a uh, capsaicin it has a really good capacity to relieve pain and it's found in a lot of different over-the-counter topical pain relieving ointments which is very shocking to find that out and it's been shown to reduce inflammation in a certain application um, another food that could be really good to incorporate into your diet is honey now i personally don't eat honey um, I'm not really um, a honey person, really. My family, specifically my grandfather, has tried to get me into eating honey, but I'm just not a fan of honey. I don't think I ever will be, but I have nothing against honey. I just don't eat it and I just don't prefer to eat it then that's just me but honey it has a lot of different health benefits in it it's one of the few natural compounds of the planet that has inherent antibacterial properties and scientists introducing honey to bacteria cultures containing common sinus infection strands discovered honey's remarkable ability to kill off that bacteria obviously if you live a vegan lifestyle a committed vegan lifestyle honey is probably it's probably going to be one of those things you're not going to try but if you are open to the idea of incorporating honey into your diet it's a great substitute for refined sugars that can encourage inflammation of fungal infections and then honey also it can help with soothing sore throats which is usually something that comes with having bacterial sinus infections and then also one thing that i've heard was that how if you eat local honey it's supposed to be able to help your body with adapting to you know the area's pollen like the local pollen um I know that growing up I just didn't do it because I know some people are allergic to it and with me being allergic to pollen my mother just thought that that was just a recipe for disaster for me to try bee pollen and um I'm thankful for her caution but I know a lot of people say that um so I did want to put that out there um if you have if you've had bee pollen before and you've not seen any sort of a reaction I just want to put that out there because they say that eating it regularly especially before spring hits it can really help with reducing or eliminating seasonal allergies I've never done it so I can't really talk about my personal experience with it um, but I did want to put that out there 
And another food that they say is really great to incorporate to your diet, and it's a food that I talked about in this week's Allergy News article, and it's garlic. Except don't put the garlic up your nose, people. We are ingesting this with our mouths, not with our nostrils. But as I said in the earlier allergy news segment and even in previous episodes, I've talked about how garlic is a really great antioxidant and it has a lot of anti-inflammatory properties in it and how it's really good for your allergies and being able to clear up your sinuses or if you're dealing with an infection or you're trying to get rid of a cold earlier on usually if I feel like it took on my throat I'll eat some garlic and then usually it'll be able to stop something from happening before it happens and you can incorporate garlic into your diet in so many ways you can chop it up in small pieces uh you can eat it raw you can cook it in your food i know people make garlic paste whatever you got to do to be able to incorporate into your diet as i've talked about in previous episodes me and garlic used to not be friends i never really cared for garlic not really was a big fan of garlic i was a type of person and i still kind of am is that i don't want to know garlics in my food i just want to eat it and to be able to enjoy it i don't want to even really have to think about garlic being in my food because I just don't care for like the smell of it it's just it's just really not that appetizing it's so funny like if my mother is feeling like a cold coming on her or something like that or she feels like something's not agreeing with her body or something like that then she'll eat a bunch of garlic but then her breath will smell garlicky and I'm like don't 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 come near me with that garlicky breath or anything like that but when I was at school in college like I would put garlic in my stir fry and my food will smell like garlic but I'd be like I get less colds than you do so who's really losing here it's not me definitely it's not me but this place called the Linus Pollen Institute they recommend chopping up garlic in small pieces and letting it rest for 10 minutes when using it in heated dishes to be able to get the maximum effect from it which is something that I've never even done before so I'm definitely probably going to try using this because we had this big 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 and when I say big I mean a huge bag of garlic so definitely I have a lot of garlic to be able to try this thing and see um, if it works and see if I get the maximum effect of garlic from it. Um, another really good uh, thing to incorporate into your diet is hot tea and clear hot soups. Those are really great ways to be able to help with restoring fluids to your body, being able to ease painful inflammation and to be able to break up any mucus that you might be having in any of your sinus passages. And there are so many different combinations when it comes to soups. Um, I know one of my favorite soups I like having is miso soups are one of my favorite. They're really good. They have a lot of good healing properties, especially depending on the different vegetables you put in. Usually put bok choy, carrots, celery, even though I hate celery, but it really gives good flavor. You know, there's just a lot of different ways you can kind of just try some things and be able to incorporate these types of things into your diet. And then also you can add like garlic into it. You can squeeze some lime into your soups or squeeze some lime into tea or whatever floats your boat but those are like some foods that I want to talk about that you could incorporate into your diet but hopefully these tips will be very helpful and then you can kind of make that decision on whether or not 
you know, you want to incorporate these things into your diet or if these things are already in your diet and maybe you already eat garlic, but you learn something new about the whole thing about cutting it into small pieces and letting it rest for 10 minutes, you might want to try that. Whatever floats your boat, peeps. Just trying to provide a bank of information for you all to be able to think about some things that you might not have considered before. But if you have any serious medical concerns about chronic rhinitis or sinusitis, definitely consider seeking professional medical treatment in addition to making like any dietary adjustments that you might need to make. And I really, like I say, I feel like I've mentioned this like four times in this podcast, but I'm trying to make sure that I'm getting it through everybody's thick skulls is make sure you are consulting with your doctor or your allergist to make sure that you are figuring out the best solution for you and your sinuses. But hopefully you all enjoyed this episode and were able to really get some clarity in terms of what's the difference between allergic rhinitis and sinusitis because I know that years ago I was very confused about the two and I didn't really know what's the difference between the two but over the years throughout my allergy journey and just through some research I've been able to learn so much so I just wanted to share what I've learned over the years with you guys and what I found has worked for me and kind of just talk you guys through my experiences but I'll have some resources linked in our show notes so you all can like find like some other things and other articles to read through to be able to help with being able to better understand rhinitis and sinusitis if you have other questions and then also make sure you're talking with your doctor if you have any other questions but yeah I hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you did be sure to rate and review the podcast hopefully it is five stars make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice make sure to follow us on instagram which is at oh my allergies keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know and I will talk to you guys in the next episode bye guys